You're listening to sermons from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Huntsville, Texas. We hope you'll join us for traditional worship in our historic sanctuary at 8.30 or 11 a.m. or for contemporary worship in our new Community Life Center at 9.45. Visit us online at HuntsvilleFUMC.org and we hope you'll join us as we gather to worship, grow in faith, and go to serve the world in the name of Jesus Christ. As the kids are going back to their seats, I, I forgot to mention one thing when we were beginning. Uh, this morning I, I have a guest uh, with me. His name is Kyle Tremblay. Kyle, would you just stand up and say yo or say hey or whatever? Uh, Kyle is a, is, a, is a senior at Texas A&M, and uh, he and I have had the opportunity to be matched up in a mentoring program where they take a current pastor and uh, someone who is interested in going into ministry, and they help to uh, get us together throughout the course of the year. And so today he's shadowing me around. Uh, I thought I'd have him stand here and walk around while I was preaching, but that might be a little bit too much. Uh, but he is going to be with us this summer, um, helping to lead some Bible studies, do some pastoral visits, just see what it's like to be a pastor. And then uh, he is headed off to my alma mater, uh, Duke Divinity School, in the fall, which I'm really happy about. So will you welcome him? In three of the four Gospels, we have the story of Jesus' temptation, and Linda did a beautiful job uh, sharing the story from Matthew and from Luke's Gospel. In Mark's Gospel, it's a bit shorter, and I want you to hear it right now. At that time, Jesus came out of Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, I ask that you would open us up this day, that as we... Read your word, and as we apply it to our lives, your spirit might guide us in the way of trust and faithfulness to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mark ends this passage. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended to him. As you know, last Sunday was Scout Sunday, and we had many of our Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts dressed up in their, uh, in their uh, uh, uniforms, and, and it reminded me, it gave me flashbacks, and I do mean flashbacks, to my time in Scouts. You see, I, I was raised in the suburbs. I would consider myself, generally speaking, a, a city boy, and uh, we had the opportunity to go on a camp out, and it was my first camp out. And, I, you know, I brought a cot and I had a sleeping bag, a comfortable pillow. I may have even brought a stuffed animal just to keep me safe at night. And I was there, and it, it was right after lights out, and we were outside, and I could hear these scratchings and these noises going on all around me, and my eyes got bigger and bigger, and I, I kind of looked to my, my, uh, my bunk mate, and he was already fast asleep and snoring and, and off in dreamland, and I got started to get scared and scared. And so I stuck my head out of the tent, and I looked around, and all I could see were these eyes all around me. 
So I decided I'd make a run for it. And I made a run for it, and I made it to the tent of our, our den leaders, who were two very nice moms who were more than happy to welcome me in and put a cold towel on my head to calm me down and give me grapes and other things and say, Daniel, it's going to be okay. It's only raccoons. <laughs> but at the time, I could have sworn that the lions of the Sahara were surrounding the tent and was absolutely afraid. Now, I can't tell you things have gotten much better. A, a few uh, years ago, we got a tent for, for Christmas, and we took three hours to set it up in the backyard, but I think the kids were in it for about an hour, uh, maybe, before we uh, almost abandoned it for the night. And then just a few weekends ago, I had the opportunity to be at a camp out with some uh, guys from my previous church. I had helped to put their small group together, uh, was with them while they were uh, meeting their uh, future wives, helped to officiate their um, their weddings, and, and then uh, many of them were about to have children, and so they were having what they called a dad chiller party, and so I was there and got there a little early and helped get the fire going and was out there chopping wood and all of these things, and when they showed up and they saw this city boy doing some country things, and they thought I was the most experienced, I knew Huntsville that we had a problem. But we ended up making it all the way through the night, and everything was okay. Some of you love the wilderness. Some of you would rather be anywhere but here, be out in the wilderness somewhere, out in, a, uh, in the cold of a deer blind or out in the middle of the forest. And, and I can completely understand that. Uh, you know, quiet nights out under the stars, making the fire, hearing the crackling of the logs or roasting marshmallows over it. Some of you love that as it's called outdoor therapy or as uh, one of our members had on Facebook this past week. I think we have a picture here. Uh, I googled my symptoms. What does it say? I can't read it. Turned out I just needed to go camping, right? Uh, sometimes that's all we need is to get outside and to, and to be out in the outdoors. For some of us it's a scary place. For others of us it is a restoring place. But in the, in the biblical world, in the world of the, the Bibles, the, the wilderness can be an incredibly lonely place. It can be an intimidating place. In fact, we see TV shows today known as things like Alone in the Wild or Extreme Survival or Get Out Alive with Bear Grylls or, or these shows. And, and without a compass, uh, without companions... Without an iPhone, I mean, it's really, really lonely out there. It can be a disorienting place. It can be a life-threatening place, a place that proves you, that tests your mettle, that defines who you are, to see what you're made of. And it's no surprise that the season of Lent in the Christian calendar every year begins with this story of Jesus going out into the wilderness, a lonely place. A deserted place. This season where we seek to be away from it all and to gather closer to God with prayer and penitence, with self-denial and sacrifice, the season can be known as a wilderness season for us. I have a video I'll play while I speak over it of just some images of what the biblical wilderness was like. The Judean wilderness. Do we have that up there? Awesome. So you can see, I mean, it's a place that's completely dry. There's very little water anywhere. There's no food, incredibly hazardous terrain, treacherous predator animals all around. 
when you're out there, you're completely alone. And many times folks would be sent out into the wilderness because of sin or they, or they were exiled from their community. Wilderness was not really a place that you chose to be if you could help it. It was not a place where one would thrive. It was a place, though, that you could be completely alone with God. All alone with God, and God asked the question, when the fundamentals of life are no longer certain, will you trust me? That's the question that God asked in the wilderness places. When the fundamentals of life are no longer certain, will you trust me? The first time we encounter the wilderness is in the experience of the Israelites. For 400 years, they've been under the harsh slavery of their Egyptian taskmasters. They cry out to God for deliverance, and God sends them Moses. Through miracles and plagues, Moses helps to lead the people out of Israel, Charlton Heston and all, through that parting of the Red Sea. And, and as they leave Egypt, they are led into the wilderness of Sinai. There in the wilderness of Sinai, they are asked that question again. When the fundamentals of life, when the things that you've always known to be true, when the things that you depend on, uh, the things that are meant to bring you comfort or even just sustenance for life, when those things are no longer certain, will you trust me? Well, the Israelites answered that question, no. Very soon into their wandering, which if you go back and you read through the stories of Exodus and the most boring book title of all, Numbers. A, you know, you probably skip over that one, right? Uh, it's a lot better in the Hebrew. If you, if you know the, the Hebrew title of Numbers is not Numbers. It's Bar Midbar or In the Wilderness. That sounds a little bit more exciting, like Call of the Wild or something like that. Numbers is a book that details, that chronicles Israel's wandering around in the wilderness. They were only supposed to be there about a year or two years, and yet when they got to the place of the promised land and they sent in spies to see the people, they were so intimidated by what they saw that they ended up spending another 38 years wandering around in places known as the wilderness of Paran, the wilderness of Shur, the wilderness of Sinai, of Zin, and even a place called the wilderness of Sin. The Israelites wandered, and over and over again, God asked that question, will you trust me? Will you trust me when there's no water? Will you trust me when there's no food? Will you trust me when you're lost? Will you trust me when everything around you seems to be changing? They were given a cloud to guide them by day and a pillar of fire to guide them by night. They were able to get water out of the side of a rock and manna, this strange bread that, that was simply called in Hebrew the words manna and in English it would be translated to what is it? They didn't know what it was but it fell every morning and it fed them. Quail flew in and they were able to eat until their stomachs were full and then some. And yet they got exhausted in their wandering. They got tired and impatient in their time in the wilderness. God continued to ask, will you trust me? And over and over again, they took other ways. They took matters into their own hand. They said no in a number of ways, even getting to the point where they just wish they could die in the wilderness. Or even at its worst, when they wished that they had never been drawn out of Egypt in the first place, preferring slavery in Egypt to the wandering and the learning to trust God in the wilderness. God asked them, will you trust me? And Israel ultimately says no. Flash forward hundreds of years, 
and we find Jesus. Jesus is there and he is baptized in the Jordan River. And then the Gospel of Mark tells us that the very same spirit that led him to the Jordan to be baptized by John now drives him out immediately into the wilderness. You see, a wilderness is not a place that people really choose to go. The Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. It pushes him. It leads him into that wilderness place. And the very images you saw earlier is the very wilderness that Jesus was led into. A place where there is very little water. A place where there is no food. And the gospel writers are clear to tell us that just as Israel was in the wilderness for 40 days, so Jesus fasted and was in the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days and for 40 nights. Israel was there 40 years. Jesus there for 40 days and for 40 nights. And in there he experiences famine. He experiences all of those things that we do when we are in wilderness places. Fear and anxiety, loneliness, being afraid. None of those things are sin, but they're all human experience that we have in the wilderness. And after 40 days when he is completely famished, when he has nothing else but God to depend on, the tempter comes and says, hey, you see all these rocks? You know you got miracle powers. You can turn them into bread. Why don't you do that? He said, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. I, I don't depend. Human beings don't depend upon bread alone. Or, or go up to the top of the temple. You know, Psalm 91 says that, that angels will, will not let you fall. Throw yourself off. Do a somersault. You know, one of those aerials, those Olympic sport kind of things. And, and see how that's going to Everybody will follow you. You'll be so popular. And again, he says no. Takes him out to the top of Mount Hermon and says, You see all these countries, all these nations around here? You just bow down to me. I'll give you power over all of them. Again, Jesus says no. In every way that Israel failed the test, Jesus is able to pass the test. Israel or Israel's asked, will you trust me? And Israel says, no. Jesus is asked, will you trust me? And Jesus answers, yes. And again and again, as we walk along the road with Jesus, we'll see that same question being asked. As the Father asked Jesus, the Son, will you trust me? Will you trust me as you walk toward Jerusalem? Will you trust me as you pray in the garden not my will, but your will be done. Will you trust me as you're nailed to the cross? Will you trust me when things on the other side are not certain? Will you trust me when the fundamentals that you're used to are no longer? Friends, we are often in a wilderness place. Some of you right now feel like you're in the wilderness. A place of isolation, a place of fear, a place where all you see is depression or despair. A place where because of recent deaths that have shocked us to the core and have rattled us to what we thought was normal and we're trying to adjust to this new normal where we feel like there are prayers that may have gone unanswered. We are in a wilderness place, are we not? And every time we experience a loss of a job, Every time there's a new diagnosis of an illness, every time there's a, a loss of a mother or the loss of a son or the loss of a friend, we are in the wilderness. When 17 students and teachers are shot under the presumed safety of a high school, we as a country are in a wilderness place asking why God, as God asks us, will you trust me? 
even when things go that are not according to my plan, even when things go that are based purely on evil, will you trust me in the midst of the wilderness? Will you trust me? Israel answered no. Jesus was the faithful one who answered yes. And friends, unfortunately, as much as we would like to say we're like Jesus, we find ourselves to be more like Israel. We want to say yes. We want to be faithful. On Sunday morning, we commit ourselves to following after Jesus and seeking the will of God and doing that in all things. But sometimes by Sunday afternoon or at least by Monday morning, we're depending far too much on our own strength or what we think is right and just and fair. Our doubt, our despair, our worry, our depression, all of those things help us or force us to turn away from God and drive us once again into that wilderness place. And God asks us again and again, when the fundamentals fall away, will you trust me? When nothing seems to be going your way, will you trust me? When hardship and heartache overwhelm, will you trust me? When depression and despair push you to the ground, will you trust me? When others turn their back on you, will you trust me? When even God seems to be blocked from our view, will you trust me? And oh, how we desire to say yes and to live life in that affirmative of following Jesus in the wilderness and trusting every step of the way. But it's in these times that we remember how often we fail and how often our eyes turn to other things and other places of comfort and strength and not to God, that we're thankful that Jesus didn't come just to give us a positive example of how to follow, the, of, of how to, what to do when things go tough. Jesus didn't give us just an example to follow, but instead Jesus came to do for us the very things that we can't do for ourselves. And the places where we fall, where we turn away, where we're not able to trust, we're not able to follow, we're not able to see light in the midst of darkness, we're not able to see hope in the midst of despair. Jesus leads the way for us to go where we are not able to go. To say yes to the trust in God in a way that we're not able to do. And so in those times, we're called to turn to Jesus. To put all of our hope and our trust and our strength in his strength. And in his faithfulness. The Apostle Paul knew what this was like. Throughout his entire life, he says that he dealt with a thorn in the flesh. No one knows what this exactly was. But it was some struggle in his life that continued to plague him. It was his wilderness place that he carried with him in his physical body. Some say this was a physical malady. Others say it was an emotional or mental uh, strain that he was under. But throughout his life, he asked for God to take that away from him. And over and over again, he found that he was in the wilderness. And he wanted so much to follow after God. And yet he found that his own human sinfulness kept him from doing the very things he wanted to do. In Romans 7, it speaks to that. He says, I, I, I want to do good, but I find myself doing the very things I hate. I do not do what I want to do, but the very things I don't want to do is what I do. And he, he goes through this whole passage in Romans chapter 7. At the end, he says, who will save me from this wretched man that I am? 
Who will save me from my inability to trust? Who will save me for, my, my, uh, for how clouded my vision gets when things get dark? Who will save me? And he says, thanks be to God. It's Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Now the author to the Hebrews reminds us again that in the times of the wilderness, we don't try to muster up our own strength to be more faithful or trusting, but instead we fall upon the faithfulness of Jesus, who not only sets an example for us, but he does what we're not able to do for ourselves. He's faithful when we remain faithless. And he paves a way for us to have a trusting relationship with God the Father. The author of Hebrews puts it this way, that we do not have a high priest that is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness so that he would experience all of the wilderness moments that we as humanity will face. Jesus is able to empathize with our weaknesses even though he did not sin. And so Hebrews tells us that we are now to approach the throne of God's grace with boldness. That we might find mercy. That we might find grace in our very time of need. Friends, are you in a wilderness place today? If you're not today, then maybe wait 40 minutes, 40 hours 40 days. Some of you have been in a wilderness place for 40 days. And so Lent just seems to prolong it. And we wait for things to come in threes or for that other shoe to drop or whatever it is. We feel like we're in that wilderness place. Some of you have been in some area of your life in a wilderness place for 40 years. And yet the question and the calling is still the same. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Through the faithfulness and through Jesus' ability to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, we say, yes, thanks be to God in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Well, God, we give you thanks and praise for this question that you are always asking us. Will you trust me? Well, God, we know that you are good. We know that you are faithful to us when we remain faithless. We know that in all things you are working for good. That even when we can't see them, even when it's just darkness all around, that you are providing a way of light. Like you led the Israelites in the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. You lead us to trust you. And so we ask, oh God, in all things that we might be a people who say yes to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.